DiscerningHearts.com presents Building a Kingdom of Love Reflections with Monsignor John Essef Ordained a priest from the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania, Monsignor Essef has served as a retreat director and confessor to Blessed Mother Teresa. He continues to offer direction and retreats internationally for the Sisters of the Missionaries of Charity. Monsignor Esif encountered St. Padre Pio, who would become a spiritual father to him. He has lived around the globe, including Lebanon, serving the pontifical missions there. It is a Catholic organization established by Blessed John Paul II to bring the good news to the world, especially to the poor. Monsignor Esif assisted the founders of the Institute for Priestly Formation and continues to serve as the spiritual director for the Institute. He also actively serves as a retreat leader and director to bishops, priests, sisters, seminarians, and other religious leaders. Building a Kingdom of Love Reflections with Monsignor John Essif I'm your host, Chris McGregor. So, what's on your heart as you prepare for this great journey? You know, I really would love to do this prayer first, because it captures for me uh, what I really believe. Why do I even want to go to the canonization? Because I met Jesus in Blessed Teresa of Calcutta, and now she's about to be canonized that what is it that she has to offer us? And what she has to offer us is what the saints in every age offered us, Jesus. She reflected Jesus to us. And where is Jesus in every one of us? My drawing to Blessed Teresa of Calcutta, when I, from the first time I met her in 1984, it was Jesus in her. And the Archbishop of Calcutta, she had arranged for me to stay with the Archbishop and in his home when I was in Calcutta. And I had gone to the mother house there to give some retreats. And this is the prayer that the Archbishop has for us as I prepare. And I would like you to listen and pray it. Lord Jesus, merciful face of the Father, You came to give us the good news of the Father's mercy and tenderness. We thank you for the gift of Blessed Teresa of Calcutta, who will be canonized in this jubilee of mercy. You chose her to be your presence, your love and compassion to the brokenhearted, the unwanted, the abandoned, the dying. She responded wholeheartedly to your cry, I thirst, by the holiness of her life and humble works of love to the poorest of the poor. We pray through her intercession for the grace to experience your tenderness and merciful love and share it in our own families, communities, 
and with all the suffering brothers and sisters. Help us to give our hearts to love and our hands to serve after the example of Mother Teresa. Lord Jesus, bless every member of our family, our parish, our diocese, our country, and our world, especially those most in need, that we all may be transformed by your merciful love. Amen. She was the presence of God. When I think of her and my first encounter, when I first met her in 1984, right up until I was said goodbye to her in Rome in May of 1997, which was a few months before she died in September of that year. We all know and know the story of her call. She was a nun for 18 years as a, as a sister of Loretta. She did not want to leave. And in a retreat, and I read those notes when I was in St. John's, in their house in Calcutta. These were the notes of that retreat. When Jesus came and spoke in her heart and called her, and called her and said, I want you to go into those holes. There were millions of people in the streets while she was teaching. I want the poorest of the poor to know my love. And they're living in those holes. He came to her in her heart, and she heard it. And you know what she said, which I, I took delight in when I heard it? You got the wrong woman. It's really not you. That's the devil just talking to me and tempting me out of this place where I am. All of us are so comfortable sometimes in where we are, but that call of Jesus in her heart calling her, and wanting her to do this. I'll be the laughing stock. How she was so tempted not to ask the Archbishop to establish this community that she was being called to establish. She was called out of where she was into the Missionaries of Charity, which she then founded. This is 1948. And they still celebrated as the inspiration and the foundation when she had the courage to follow that in 1950. Well, when I meet her years later, and I really didn't know Mother, and yet she was establishing these places all around the world. And she had established one in Beirut where there was war. The story that I share for me is many times the story that you have heard. There were 53 children in a uh, place in West Beirut. And West Beirut was separ separated from East Beirut, which was the Christian area of Beirut. And there were the, the West Beirut was the Muslim area. And this was an orphanage where there were 53 children, Muslim children, and they all had defects, and they were handicapped in all of them being abandoned in this orphanage. 
she got in touch with the president of the country and she said she wanted Red Cross trucks to go there. And there was a war and the fire between East Beirut and West Beirut had been going on for months. No, mother, I'm not going to do that. She said to the president, Amin Jamail, if the war stops, will you let me go? And he, he was laughing up his sleeve. And he was a Maronite Catholic, a good Catholic, but he, he couldn't believe that she could even believe that. He said, Mother, if the war stops, I'll have those Red Cross trucks at your convent at 6 o'clock in the morning. It was about 9 o'clock that we heard this story. She came to our convent in Sidhu Boshria, and this is where her missionaries of charity were stationed, with volunteers and various priests who had been there, Father Theo Flucht and some of us praying, put the Blessed Sacrament on the altar. Is there anything more common in our Catholic tradition than placing Jesus on the altar in the Eucharist? And there is Jesus who could stop the war, who has all power, who made the mountains and the skies and all the world. He's here. She believes that. She was the presence of Jesus among us. I know I didn't have that kind of faith. At 9 o'clock, we began to pray. At 10, at 11, at 12. I thought, now, that's enough prayer. At 1, at 2, at 3. It was in the morning, and I still see Mother cruciform before the altar, lying face down, begging Jesus, you have the power. Three o'clock, four o'clock, the God of heaven and earth stopped the war. Stopped the war. Many will know the story about how she then called the president's palace and had those trucks down there. And they all piled in, the volunteers, went over and got the babies, 53 of them, every one of them, put into the van and into these Red Cross trucks, brought them all back, all in various forms of dying, covered with feces, poor little deformed babies, picking them up, abandoned, dying, suffering, Jesus in the poorest of the poor. And as we washed them and cleansed them and fed them, not one of them died. And neither, none of them were Christian. They were Muslim children. They were God's people. That's what she taught us. That's what we need to hear and know and experience. That's what the Archbishop is asking us to pray for. Not to admire Mother Teresa, but to imitate her. In what? In that faith that she makes between the Eucharistic Jesus 
and the mystical body Jesus in the poorest of the poor. That is what the missionaries of charity were all about. That's their call, to serve Jesus in the poorest of the poor. They not only take the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, but wholehearted and free service to the poorest of the poor. One day, I was with her in Rome. Uh, we were at Via Casalina, and she had a meeting with John Paul, and she had specifically the place that she wanted to have. She, said, she was so thrilled. The poorest of the poor are going to come to the Vatican. The poorest of the poor is going, they're going to have admittance to the Vatican because she was going to get this property. And John Paul was about to sign it because the archbishop refused to give her that particular house that she wanted, which is now called Donna Celi, the, the gift of heaven. And that's where I'm going to be meeting the sisters when I go to Rome. And there'll be, there'll be many of them gathered there. Sister Prima will be there, and so many of them will be there from Calcutta, from around the world. Hundreds of the missionaries of charity. But they didn't have that house, and she had this appointment with the Pope. And they were on our way down to, the, to meet with the Pope, and they're driving on the big Constitutione, the avenue, that leading to the Vatican. And the, as they were going and driving, they saw a man lying in the streets. And mother said to the sisters who were with her, stop the car. And she got out and she went over. And indeed, this man was dying on the street. And so she went over and began to touch his face caress him, touch him, as she often did with the dying, and praying with him, being with him, and he was dying on the streets. And he was what she saw as Christ. She was there with him about 40 minutes or 45, and the sister began tapping her watch. She's the one who told me the story. Mother, you're going to be late for your appointment with the Pope. And Mother looked at her and said, you go on and you meet with the Pope. What shall I tell him? Tell him I'm with Jesus. Jesus in the poorest of the poor. That was her call. That was the vicar of Christ she was going to see. But this was Jesus himself. See, the call was so deep. See, that's what I pray we can learn to imitate in our lives. So many of us are right with Jesus, where we are called to be in life. And Jesus, who is in us, always does the will of the Father. It's what am I called to be and to do? Yes, it would be nice to meet the Pope, Yes, it would be nice and very, very nice to get that property and all the things that would drive her to go and meet the Pope. No, she got another appointment and it happened later that she got it. But she was faithful 
to that call. What is, what is the experience that I had when I heard this story? When they all come back and she didn't see the Pope and she didn't get the, the thing signed. She had the whole thing ready. How many times we just are so, so eager, get this done. This is, this is very, very important. No, to know what is important, to know what is urgent, and to know the difference. She knew through the Holy Spirit what was most important, and it was to be where she was called to be. She could really discern the difference. I'm convinced that when I go to Rome now, Mother will greet every single one, a one-to-one-to-one. -to -one -to -one. Everyone will have a story. I will, and anyone. How many are going to be there? The ones that are called to be there. The ones that have this relationship. And I pray that this is what will happen to those of us who go there. I hope it will happen to me, and that's my prayer, that I will learn from her the presence of God in this world. She brought that, and she brought it to every single one that she met, one by one by one. And she can teach us, through her canonization, this great and wonderful truth about our call. You know, the, the high and the mighty and the lowly, they all loved her. When I go to the mother house in Calcutta, when I was staying at the archbishop's house in Calcutta, I, I, there was a bishop staying there from northern India, and he wanted to go over to the mother house and ask Mother Teresa for some of her sisters to come to his diocese. And as we chatted, I said, well, where's your diocese? And he was telling me, he said to me, you know, they don't trust us. I, I said, well, who? The bishop and the priest, the people in our area, they do trust the sisters. They do trust the missionaries of charity. And we need them in our diocese. He was humble enough to say, because they, they live too elegantly. But they, the sisters, they live right among the communists. The communist house is right near the mother house in Calcutta. The communists have a tremendous admiration for Mother Teresa. And when we came in, 350 of them lived there when I would go to give a retreat there. But was as I was walking in, I came in at 8 o'clock instead of 9, when I usually gave my presentation, and the sisters would all be gathered, and I would give my talks and my conferences for their retreat. But this time he came in at 8 o'clock, and the sisters weren't ready for us. In the mother house in Calcutta, they, they don't have toilets. They have drains. That's what they use for their needs. Who was cleaning out the drains? Not the novices. 
Mother was on her knees cleaning out the muck and the dirt in, the, in these drains. I found her, and the bishop was looking for her, and as we saw her, I thought, wow, she was always not only giving example of choosing the lowliest, she was herself the servant, constantly the servant of everyone. She had all these nuns, but she remained the servant. What an example it was for me when I see Jesus. She was on her knees cleaning us out as Jesus I saw at the Last Supper, kneeling down and washing the feet of his disciples. What we need today, I don't think, is we need Mother Teresa's spirit and we need in us, in each of us, who may be devoted to her and want to, to know more about her, is imitators of Jesus. And that Jesus is in us, in every one of us. I have him within me. And as I'm preparing to go to Rome for her canonization, that really strikes me. And one day I was in, in Ethiopia, and we, we, had, we had gone to Addis Ababa. We wanted to go to Eritrea. I happened to be with Cardinal Archbishop of New York, and he invited me to come, and he wanted me to see with him the famine center, and they, they wanted actually to have me head the famine center up in Eritrea, and that's why I was invited. And so I was in the airport at Addis Ababa, and the Russian pilots were the ones who were to fly us up. When they found out, when the Russian pilots found out that it was an American group that they were going to fly, they refused to fly us up. The Cardinal Archbishop was, uh, was really beside himself because there was a war going on between uh, that section of Ethiopia and Eritrea, which was in the north, and we couldn't possibly go by, by road. We had to be flown up, and helicopters were supposed to take us. When mother reads the situation, she was way across the airport and she was there with some of her sisters. Or she had all these miraculous medals which were so powerful, a devotion with her. She handed out thousands of these medals and she went up to these big Russian pilots and she was blessing them and loving them like a mother and she was talking to them about taking those priests, those poor priests, up to Eritrea. And I thought, wow. She just knew how to move the hearts. She was like Jesus. She just saw a need. She was like Mary. She was the presence of God in this world. And we, we found ourselves being flown up there without any further problem. When I was with her in Albania, that for the first time in over 70 years, communism had ended in her home country. 
I'm convinced what they had done is murder her mother and her sister. There was no trace of retaliation, unforgiveness in mother's heart for what had happened to her family. She was just love. She was Jesus in the midst of all the people, even the former communist leaders that she was meeting there, and the suffering and the agony that that country had gone through, and the thousands and thousands and tens of thousands that had been killed during the communist regime. So loving, so caring, so just moving in with compassion and establishing mission after mission. She was a presence of love among us. In going to her canonization in Rome, what I would like to just kind of share with you is not just stories about how wonderful Mother Teresa was, but examples of how each of us could imitate her. I'm sure there will be many, many things written to admire her, but I really feel I would just like to share these stories and these prayers with you for imitating her. What will it be like for you on that September 4th gathered in the piazza at Rome? Yes. What I believe is going to be given to me, and I believe it's going to be given to me, that she is going to intercede for the grace to experience your tender and merciful love and share that with my family and with the world to actually experience that I really would like to now, while I'm there with her, because he can give anything he wants, I would like to see my heart completely one with the heart of Jesus through the intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I feel that there are so many areas of my heart that are not yet totally surrendered. And I would like to her intercession that day to experience that. Beautiful. Well, we pray that that happens, Monsignor. Yes, that's my prayer. That was what I was praying. And I've been praying in preparation. How beautiful. Yeah. I can't wait to hear about your adventures. Yes. And your experiences. Well, and I, I would like uh, anyone who's listening uh, to pray that I will receive this gift of the experience of that union of wholehearted love for the Sacred Heart through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And that Mother will give me that gift. That I'll be converted. Well, then that will be our prayer for you, Monsignor. Thank you. Especially St. Teresa of Calcutta. And I'll take everyone, no matter who you are, if you're listening, I want to take you in my heart to this canonization so that you too will share with me. Pray with me as I will pray for you. Beautiful.
Thank you so much, Monsignor. God bless you. You've been listening to Building the Kingdom of Love, Reflections, with Monsignor John Essif. To hear and or to download this reflection, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join us next time for Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif.